love playing soccer, right? And then one day I was playing soccer and I, I looked across the field and Campus Crusade had this uh, crusade on I Found It. And 1974, I'm a little older. 1974, and so I saw the I Found It banner and I, I, I thought to myself, you know, like, what did they find? What did they find? So after the soccer game, I went across the field and I met Jesus there. And from that day, I was like praying for my family, praying for my family, you know, for their salvation. And 30 years later, you know, like I throughout the whole time, 30 years later, I had come to Canada and still praying. And then, and then one day my mom was very sick in the hospital. She was dying. And while she was getting wheeled in, the Lord has a plan, right? There was a pastor, Lee Chaumet, who goes from hospital to hospital, and he, he prayed over her. And she received Jesus that day. Just prior going to the ICU. And in three days, my mom was healed of the disease. All of the diseases. And then, and then you know, like, she, she, she just became so on fire for Jesus that my father at 86 came to know Jesus, baptized. My brother came to know Jesus, baptized. My sister came to know Jesus, baptized. My 30-year-old prayer was answered by God. You know, anytime that you feel so, like, not worthy or like, you know, like, is God not answering my prayer? God is. He has heard you the first time. God's not deaf, okay? Sometimes we just don't have the faith. So I just want to introduce a little bit of that. And then, you know, how I came to Canada and then, you know, I pursued education and, you know, I, I just had this big dream, right? I wanted a better life. So in fast forward to 1989, I experienced a kidney stone and, you know, I was very painful. And I called my friend who, who was in the natural industry because in those days, you know, they put you under the knife. There was no such thing as sonar, laser, and all that nice stuff, right? So I didn't want to go under the knife. And so I called my friend in California and he said, I said, Kim, is there anything natural I can take to get rid of this kidney stone? And he said, you know, I wasn't expecting a yes, but he said yes. And he says, you know, you go to your, your ethnic market, get a cut of turmeric, the yellow ginger, get a pound of parsley, right? Juice it, one part juice, one part water, drink it for three days, and you'll get rid of it. And I was like, what? And then he goes, yes, try it. So I did. Day and a half I passed it out. It's like the weirdest feeling ever, you know? It's like something just more ventured through your body and then just came out. And um, so then I, I felt there was so much um, truth in the natural product industry. So I started a company, you know, called Organica. And some of you may know it, some of you may not. Today Organica is in 26 different countries. Uh, we're exporting to many different countries. We're, we're nationwide. We're in your Costco. We're, we're everywhere. And so, but that came with a journey with Christ. So along the journey, you know, like you start to have great success, and then because you're so focused on on what you want to do, right? You want to do. You want to get a better life. That's all you ever focus on. And so you focus on that to a point where sometimes you forget certain things, right? And so along the way, sales was really high, going up like this. But people were going down like this, right? We were losing people at the rate of 30%. That's bad, right? If you own a company and your attrition rate is 30%, that's pretty bad. So we actually, you know, had to stop and come together and pray. And at one point we prayed and then and, uh, we realized something is really wrong, right? So today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about 
like number one, what is your culture of communication at work right now? Like if, if you're at work and you're working, what is the type of communication culture do you have there? And uh, number two, I want to talk about what pitfalls to avoid, you know? And number three, what do you got teachers teachers in terms of communication? And number four, what powerful communicators look like at workplace? So, you know, every company has a culture, right? And culture is developed through time. And communication style and company is part of the culture. And as leaders of a company, whether you like it or not, and sometimes you, you may think, you know, I'm not a leader, I'm not a leader, you know, those guys are leaders. No, you are a leader. In your capacity, in your space, in your sphere, you are a leader. So, you know, somehow or rather, you will influence the atmosphere and change the culture of that place, right? So, throughout that time when I was trying to just achieve what I wanted to achieve, I influenced the culture to a point where it wasn't a culture of honor. It was just a culture of performance. It was just trying to get there as, you know, the best way we can, you know, however we can. It wasn't about people anymore, right? It was just about getting there. So, as leaders, we need to understand that we set culture of communication. Whether knowingly or unknowingly, right? Through policies, through mission statements, through your HR department, you're actually setting the culture, you're setting the tempo. And so, 28 years, right? We, we did not set a culture, a kingdom culture, we set a culture that is very earthly. You know, just, we just wanted to get there. So, what is a culture of honor, right? Like, you know, in the Bible, in the book of Mark, you know, when Jesus got baptized, it says, God tore open the heavens. He tore open the heaven, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, right, like a dove, right? And then what did God say? God said, this is my dearly beloved son, in whom I'm so well pleased, right? So, you know, God honors his son, and Jesus honored the Father by telling John the Baptist, you know what, we got to do this, because this is what God wants to do. Right? And then the Holy Spirit honored Jesus and came upon him, and his ministry started. It's a culture of honor. The Trinity is a culture of honor. So when we forget the culture of honor, when we forget to honor each other, you end up with a culture of earthly patterns. Right? And so what is a culture of honor? Culture of honor is, is based on abundance. Our God is an abundant God, right? And it's based on power, power, powerful communicators. So here's what I want to talk about. There are basically three types of, of communication style of in, in the culture like that we develop. Number one, you have a passive communicator, right? A passive communicator is like, you know, I'll give you an example of like, say you, you and your boss, right? And your boss is telling you, you know, go find a copier, this type of copier, or this type of make. It does this many copies or whatever, right? And then you go out there and you can't find it, right? And then you feel, you feel scared, you feel fearful, right? And whatever your boss tells you, even though when you don't know, or if you know there is not, no such copies out there, and if you're a passive communicator, you just say, yes, sir, yes, sir. Or better still, I'll give you a better example, like you and your wife or husband, and your, your husband asks you, what would you like to have for dinner? And you go, whatever you like, honey. You know? It's like every day you say the same thing. You never once express what you want in your heart. Right? It's like, whatever you like. That's a passive type of communication. Uh, number two, the aggressive communicator, which is the opposite of the passive, right? 
the aggressive communicator is like, let's go have sushi. <laughs> and then you have no, no choice. You basically have no choice. You, you feel like, uh, can I have dim sum or something instead? No, no, sushi, right? So that's the aggressive type. And the third one is the passive aggressive, which is kind of like the worst. <laughs> right? Go back to the husband and wife example again. Right? The husband goes, you know, what would you like for dinner? Right? And then the wife goes, whatever you like, honey. And then the husband says, okay, sushi. And then you go, mm, sushi again. Right? And then you go to your friend and you tell your friend, oh, my husband, he eats sushi all the time. <laughs> what is wrong with that guy? Right? And then he's like, but in front of your husband, you say, yeah, whatever you like, honey. That's a passive-aggressive, which is like the worst type of communication style. And that happens at work, too. Think about it. Like if your boss tells you something, and you go, yes, sir. You know, yeah, we'll do that. And then you go to your friends in your department, and you say, you know that boss? He's horrible. Right? And the boss doesn't know about it, but you're talking behind the boss's back. All three of these communication styles are actually powerless. There's no power in it. There is no power being passive. There's no power being super aggressive. And there's no power, absolutely no power, being passive aggressive, right? And so what are the pitfalls to avoid? Like, you know, these three types of communication styles eventually ultimately create an unhealthy communication environment. It will. It definitely will. And you will always end up with a culture of blame. Right? You'll end up with a culture of blame. Because why? Number one, if you're a passive thought, you'll end up maybe acting like a victim. Right? You're passive aggressive, you go to your friends and you tell your friends, you act like a victim. Right? There's no power in that. Because now you've created a bully. Right? Because to be a victim, you need a bully. Right? And then you go tell your friends. Right? And then your best pal, right? your lunchmate. And your lunchmate is going, yeah, you know, you're right. I'm just going to let him have a piece of my mind. Right? And then that friend becomes the rescuer. So now you have that triangulation of victim, bully, and rescuer. And that's very common in whether in relation, like at a, whether at home or at place, at workplace, it's always there if you don't offer it powerfully. Right? You act like a victim or you act like a bully. Oh, you act like a rescuer. And so coming back to my story was that because I came from a place of lack, I came from a place where I didn't even have ice cream. And I just went straight on, head on like a rhino, and I was just like, this is what I want. This is what I want. I never want to not have ice cream ever again. I don't want my children to never have ice cream, not have ice cream ever again. I don't want yeah, great grandchildren. What happened was I was playing the rescuer. I was trying to rescue everybody. How many of you know that God is the ultimate rescuer? You are not the rescuer. Okay? So I was just going down the wrong path, right? So that cycle of powerlessness starts all over again. Okay? Play victim, play bully, play rescuer. No victim, no bully. No bully, no rescuer. You get it? Right? So these are the pitfalls. It, it'll... it'll It'll lead to a culture of blame, right? You continuously blame somebody. You're like, you know, yeah, my boss was the one that did this. That's why I'm like this. Now, he asked me to do this. That's why I'm like this, right? And then 
that victim mentality and the bully mentality, right? Create an unhealthy conflict between the rescuer and the bully. So what did God teach us? What happened when we prayed that day? All of our board got together and we prayed. We start to empty ourselves. We start to realize that it wasn't about us. Every time that we tried to control things, it was getting worse. Yes, you were achieving sales, but is that your ultimate goal? As a Christian, right? It was getting worse. People were, were leaving because they were not honored. They were not honored. So when we were going through the Bible, this verse came to us, 2 Timothy 1.7. This is what we thought when we were praying. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For oh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now read that again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. By the way, fear is a spirit. Okay? Fear is a spirit. Because fear is the opposite of faith. When fear meter goes up, faith meter goes down. Faith meter goes up, fear meter goes down. Okay? So, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, right, when you see the word but, it means this is, this is not from Him, but of power. God did not give us powerlessness. He gave us power. What else? And of love and of sound mind. Sound mind is self-control. Self-control, right? So, because a lot of people are operating under fear, and you may not know it, or you may know it, but you could be operating under fear. At work, you could be operating under fear. And that's why you go into this victim mentality, or maybe you go into this bully mentality. Like, you know, you either fight or flight, right? You take flight. Like, if you're getting attacked from somewhere, you, f you feel like, a, as, like an orphan, you feel like you're being attacked. When no one's really attacking you, you may act like a bully. Push people away. Or you could act like a victim so that somebody else will come and rescue you. Right? Or you could act like a rescuer trying to rescue somebody. So... Because a lot of people operate under fear, they don't even make decisions or contribute to discussions in communications. You know, like, you often sit in a meeting and oftentimes you, you just see two or three guys talking. The rest of the 19 guys is not saying a word. <laughs> Why is that? Right? Have you been in meetings like that? Is there anybody else has any suggestion? It's like, a lot of people look down. Right? That gesture is actually a victim gesture. By the way, you're playing victim. I don't think I should say anything. Everything that I say, they don't take it seriously anyways. I mean, you feel like that. I mean, come on. At work. Do you guys feel like that sometimes at work? We need to change that. And so, are we guys okay? You guys are awfully quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, the, the aggressive communicator, you know, like, he'll fight, right? He'll fight for everything. And, and the reason for that is because earlier on we sang from Scripture that you, you are now adopted as children of God. You're a child of the Most High God, right? 
And so you're not an orphan. You don't have to fight for every meal. You don't have to fight in every meeting. You don't have to fight for everything. You, you seem to think that it's coming at you. You know, I've had, like, I'm also a pastor, right? Pastor at Graceville. And our church is a church of uh, ministry. It's healing ministry. So that's a gift that God has given us. And we see a lot of people fighting, fighting for everything, you know. And when Jesus healed, he actually healed you, you know, like in three ways. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So when he when he said to the when he said to the to the people the ten lepers that came and then they, he healed them and then he's telling them to go away as they went away all of them got healed except one guy came back and he said where are the other nine right you come back right you've been made whole now in the Bible it says you've been healed but the word actually in Greek is social you've been made whole spiritually emotionally physically three ways. So, when we have that spirit of fear, when we're operating under fear, you know, what happens? What happens? Right? You either play victim, bully, or you end up as a rescuer. So what does, you know, so what do powerful communicators look like? Now that we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So, what do those communicators look like? Right? Now, God taught us to love each other unconditionally. The agape love. You know, like when you get to know Jesus intimately, when you know from the Bible in Ephesians, it says you've been chosen before the foundation of the world. How many of you know the foundation of the world was not even created yet, but you were already chosen? That means you were chosen in the Spirit. Okay? So, if you're chosen and you didn't even choose God, you know, that's amazing, right? In Ephesians 1, it talks about how you've been blessed with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. You're already blessed. If you're still waiting to be blessed, I mean, you got to read the Bible. You're already blessed. You're already blessed before you even came. Like, you know, and then the next line says, you're chosen before the foundation of the world. And you've been adopted as children of God. And you've been forgiven, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amazing. Read Ephesians 1, 3 to 10. Right? And and you're like, wow. Right? I'm actually not a victim. I'm actually a victor. I'm not a bully. Right? And I'm not the rescuer. I didn't even ask for God. God chose me. That's amazing, right? So what do power powerful communicators look like at workplace. You see, at workplace, we gotta choose people the way God chose us. We gotta choose them even though we feel, sometimes we feel like we don't wanna choose them. Sometimes you don't feel like you wanna choose your husband, you know, you're fighting at home, and you're arguing, you're debating about something. Man, you gotta fight, not against each other, but fight for each other. You gotta choose that love is a choice, man. It's not some emotion. God chose to love us. He first loved us. Right? Love is a choice. So you gotta choose to protect that relationship at work. Right? That's a powerful communicator. A powerful communicator goes like this. Jonathan is important, so am I. Right? 
It's not I'm the one important because I'm the CEO. You, you just listen to me. Right? You just do what I tell you to do. No. He's just as important as you are. So when you approach communication that way, you actually listen. You actually allow them to tell you what is in their heart. Right? People need to tell you how they feel, how they think, and what are their needs. Now, if you're a, a victim communicator or a bully type of communicator, you don't allow for that. You don't even allow that to come out of yourselves. Right? A lot of us Asians here, we feel like that. Like, you know, in our family, we, sometimes we don't agree with something with our parents, we don't ever say it. Inside of you, you may not feel it. You may not feel like, that's not how I feel. Right? But how do I say that? How do I communicate that, right? Now first, you gotta know that you are just as important as the person in a communicator. Okay, then you need to express the feelings, the thoughts and your needs. So, for instance, go back to the husband and wife again, the sushi thing, right? So, if your husband is going, you know, what, what do you want to have tonight? You need, you need to express your feeling. If you don't feel like sushi, you gotta tell him, you know, I wanna go to have some Chinese dumplings or something. And not just say whatever you like, honey. And then complain about it after that. That's not being powerful. That's a powerless way of communicating, right? So we need to communicate and express our feelings, our thoughts, and our needs. So when we have this powerful mindset, we're no longer operating in fear, but in power, in love, and in someone, in self-control. Self-control. You don't just, you know, some people just yell because they, they, they're so afraid, right? They're so full of fear that they yell. Have you been in community, you know, like relationship where people just yell at you all the time? I've been at work where I just, you know, I, when I started work here, was I was earning four dollars and fifty cents. Four dollars fifty cents, man. Raising my son Jordan. Some of you may have met Jordan. He was just born. I didn't complain. I just, you know. And so, when we operate with this mindset, we no longer communicate passively, aggressively. Passive aggressively. Right? So, how should you communicate? You should communicate assertively. That means you are important, so am I. Right? You and I have a choice. We have a choice to protect the relationship at work or at home. Right? And we need to lead as a servant leader. A servant leader just wants to serve. And, you know, when you serve, to create that freedom to express your feelings, your thoughts, and your needs, truth will prevail. Like you start to, you start to feel, you start to get to know people. It becomes a safe place. So when we started to do that at work, when we realized that we were just, you know, think to do what we want to do, people were not that important. Uh, we changed, and when we changed the culture at work to a culture of honor, things started to change. You know, people were happier. Sales will even higher. Sales is just a byproduct. It is just an expression of what is already in you. Right? I told you that God has given, get blessed you in spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Like that deposit, your spiritual calling and your blessing, it's irrevocable, the Bible says. It's already in you. But when you have that freedom to express it, you can express it. Right? Too many people think honor is like, oh, it's my niece's uh, 
you know, graduation, so I gotta go, I gotta go honor her. That's just the result of what is already deposited in her. It's because of that freedom she had, she was able to express the gifting, and you get to enjoy it. You get to see the result, but it's already in her. Okay? So, we are powerful beings, remember that. Okay, we're not powerless people, right? So we need to operate in abundance and understand that the grace of God is on us, right? We serve with by keeping our love on people when you communicate, right? Remember, you want to protect that relationship. If, if you are arguing with your brother or your sister, don't walk away, don't play victim and just run. Or don't become a bully and then I can yell. My, my brother is smaller than me. I just, I just yell down his throat. You know, he'll listen to me. Don't do that. Right? You need to communicate assertively. You need to say, okay, you are important, so am I. But right now, you're yelling. You're yelling. So I'm going to, I want to protect this relationship. I'm going to tell you right now, I just don't feel love right now. But I continue to choose you. I continue to love on you, but I'm just gonna walk away right now until you calm down and then I'm gonna come back again because I love you. And that's what God did. When the Israelites, when they were rebellious and this and that, God just waited. Because He loved us. At the end, He sent His Son. Amen? He sent His Son, even though we're so rebellious, because He chose to love on us. He chose us. So we need to operate like the way Jesus did. At workplace, at home, you need to choose that relationship. Amen? Okay, so here's what I'm going to leave you with. The relationship that's based out of fear is actually slavery. That's why Jesus in John 15, he says, I don't no longer call you slave, but friends. And a relationship, meaning I only work for you, like, you know, slavery is like, I only work for you because I fear you. At workplace or at home. I do this because I fear you. I take up the garbage because I fear you're going to yell. Right? And a relationship that's based out of love actually is friendship. Meaning, I work for you because I care for you. It matters not. I choose this relationship, so I'm going to take up the garbage because I choose to love. Love is a choice, remember that. Okay. So thank you, I just want to end here, and let's pray. Father God, thank you that uh, you first chose us. You love us so much that you gave us your only begotten Son, so that we may have life and have life abundant. Father, we just speak this over this church right now. If there's any orphan spirit, Father, we break it up right now, Jesus, that we know that we've been chosen, that we've been redeemed, that we're powerful communicators. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As the uh, worship team come up, uh, it is our time to continue our worship service with uh, communion. And so can I have the uh, communion ushers also to come up? Communion is a time where uh, we break bread together and we have
also the cup, and share the cup together, and as to remember uh, that we are chosen by God. And that so we are chosen because of Jesus' death and resurrection. That we believe that in Jesus, in his work on the cross and his resurrection, that we live as victors. Uh, death has no say. Death has no last word. No fear has the last word, as Tom has really alluded to. And therefore, we believe in Jesus' work and we believe in the power of the cross. And hence, that is why we participate in communion. For those of you who believe this as well, I invite you to join us. For those who may want to even make this time as their decision to join and to believe and join in the family of Christians, may you also participate in this Lord's Supper. So let's pray, and uh, as the communion ushers pass the bread, take the, the, the bread and dip it in the cup, and please hold it until everyone uh, has one, and we'll take the bread and cup together. Gracious Heavenly Father, as uh, we participate in the bread and the cup, we are reminded of the covenant, the new covenant that you have given us, a promise that those who call on your name will be saved. Those who call on your name we are more than conquerors. We are in you. And Lord, we're just so thankful for all you've done and for all you have given us. For we are chosen people of God, loved ones, sons and daughters 